0: The real problem is not the drug addiction, it's the heart that wants to partake of those things. See, before you put anything in you, it first is in your heart and it comes out. And that's why you put it in. And Jesus' concern for us is not so much like, if, if you have a potty mouth, that's what we call it at my house. Potty talk, right? If you have a potty mouth, what it means is that you have a potty heart and it just comes out your mouth. So whatever it is that we do, our discharge, so to speak, of our lives, it's what's first in our hearts.
1: If you hurt me, I'll hurt you. That's the prevailing wisdom of our culture. But it totally conflicts with the way Jesus wants us to live. As we hear about how the children of Israel were instructed to keep their camp from defilement, we'll understand that God demands the same thing of our hearts. Pastor Daniel will acknowledge our struggles to do this and help us to come clean. You can hand over those areas to God and become a clean house for him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Cleanness in the Camp. Jesus is real.
0: All right, let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 5. Numbers, chapter 5. As we continue our study here in the book of Numbers, in the series that we're calling Camp, it's our first of what will be, Lord willing, three series in the book of Numbers, chapter five. Now, for the first four chapters of the book of Numbers, it's so f- interesting, as I've talked with so many of you after service on Wednesday or see you during the week, everyone's been commenting on how they never realized there was so much in the beginning of the book of Numbers as we're seeing how God is ordering and organizing his people as he prepares to bring them into the promised land. And we keep commenting on the fact that numbering, structure, order are all parts of the character of God. And it's important to realize that because I think oftentimes we do want God to be kind of random. I think probably because we're a little random. And so we have this thing that it can't be spiritual if it's orderly. And But God cares very much about his people, and he realizes with this massive amount of people, there needs to be structure in place and a way that things get done. Now, as we move into chapter 5 and chapter 6, we're only going to take chapter 5 today, we are going to return to a theme that we saw oftentimes at the end of the book of Exodus and throughout the book of Leviticus, and that's the idea of cleanness or cleanliness, See, God is not only concerned with the spiritual well-being of his people, but he's also concerned with their physical well-being as well. And so the idea of God removing impurity from the people is a big concept through the Bible, not just in the Old Testament. We have a tendency oftentimes understanding the finished work of Jesus to want to spiritualize everything. And I don't think it's necessarily bad because every physical reality has a spiritual implication to it. But oftentimes we're so busy looking at the spiritual realities that we miss the good old-fashioned real-life physical realities. We have a tendency to miss out on how shall we live now in the world because these things aren't only purely spiritual. And so we have, once again, a return to a look at people who are ceremonially unclean and how they should be isolated so they can be readmitted so that illness and things don't spread. We're going to find that one area of cleanliness is the breaking up of interpersonal relationships based on issues that people may have with one another. That is a type of uncleanness amongst the people that God wants to deal with. And then as we get to verse 11 and following, we have this very strange account of when a man suspects that his wife may have been unfaithful. And we'll get there. Pastor Bill and I spent some time, Pastor Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor, talking about this today. He's like, ooh, you're going to have fun with that. And I said, I hope so. But we'll see what God's heart is in the midst of it. So let's jump right on in. So Numbers chapter 5, picking up in verse 1, it says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse, you shall put out both male and female. You shall put them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camps, in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp. As the Lord spoke to Moses, so the children of Israel did. Now, we've seen a lot of this. I mean, Leviticus chapters 11 to 15 was kind of all about this. But it's interesting that we get all of the ordering of, these are the way the camps are going to be ordered. This is the way camp is going to be set up. This is who's going to be where. This is their banners. This is this. This is what the Levites do. And then we go back to, and hey, don't forget, we don't want everyone in the camp to get sick. So you need to remove people who have any sort of communicable disease. That's kind of what this thing is. And it's a reminder to us that we have to go back and remember things that God has already said. See, God already went through this with him, but he goes through it again. Why? Because God, I believe, realizes that you and I have a tendency to forget what he told us in the past because we're so focused on what he's doing right now that God wants to remind, listen, now that you're all ordered, don't forget. We don't want everyone to get sick. And so how often, and you don't have to raise your hand, has God already spoken to you about something and you find yourself drifting back there, even though you know what God wants from you, his word has communicated it to you, his spirit has communicated it to you, but then all of a sudden you start to find your way going back there again. We all kind of do that, don't we? It's like the most recent lesson takes the heart space, and we have a tendency to forget the things that God showed us yesterday, important things for our lives. And so God brings them back. What does he say? command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. So there's these three things. And these are symptomatic or symbolic of all the different things. The idea of leprosy. Remember we made the case that when we think of leprosy, we have this idea of what we would call Hansen disease, where somebody's You know Their nerves would be deadening, and you have this idea of people losing fingers, but they don't feel it because of the leprosy. But really, the leprosy in the Bible is any skin disease, any with an outward disease that could be given to somebody else. Now, you might say, well, why would God do that? Well, simply because this is the first health watch. He's saying, look, if you have an outward skin disease, we don't want it to run through the camp. So you need to be separated. And don't forget, when we looked at the book of Leviticus, it's not you're gone forever. It's gone until you're not contagious anymore. And then there is a cleansing period and you're readmitted to the people. So he's saying, look, I love my people and I don't want you all to get sick. So if someone has a skin disease, leprosy, if someone has some sort of a discharge, and by and large, this would be looked at things like venereal diseases and those things, and we looked at all of that. These things that are communicable have to be outside. And whoever... Becomes defiled by a corpse Now, again You guys know that if something dies The body begins to decompose There's things like maggots and different things And vultures come in and they eat the the, You know, the roadkill and all this stuff And so you touch that, you can imagine It'd be very, very easy for people to get sick Very quickly This seems weird to us Why? Because we live in a pretty uh, Antiseptic type of a culture How many of you washed your hands more than once today? That's right for those of you who didn't put your hands up, we're sorry that we hugged you. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But you know what I mean? It's like we live in a culture where we clean our clothes, we clean our dishes, we clean our houses, we clean, 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 clean. They didn't have those type of standards or that type of product. There was no Clorox bleach back in the day. Right? And so this was God's way of saying, look, I want you to stay safe. I want you to stay clean. Now, don't miss the fact though, and I think it is important, that each one of these things is symbolic. So we know that leprosy and the Bible is a type of sin or pride. Why? Because it corrupts by deadening our senses. The idea of any sort of a discharge, think about the idea of a discharge. It's what comes out, out of you. And Jesus said, what goes into somebody is not what defiles them. It's what? What comes out of them. It's what comes out of the heart that is defiling. See, everything like, the example would be this. If you are addicted to drugs, right? You'd say, the drug addiction is a problem, and it is, but the real problem is not the drug addiction, it's the heart that wants to partake of those things. See, before you put anything in you, it first is in your heart and it comes out, and that's why you put it in. And Jesus' concern for us is not so much like, if, if you have a potty mouth, that's what we call it at my house, potty talk, right? If you have a potty mouth, what it means is that you have a potty heart and it just comes out your mouth. So whatever it is that we do, our discharge, so to speak, of our lives. It's what's first in our hearts. And so that, and of course, dead bodies, whatever spiritually dead, all of those things do not belong within the people of God, but outside. And it is a reminder to us, I believe, that we should walk as we ought. We should walk as we ought. We should be people who witness who God is, who Jesus is. And I'm here to tell you, God wants you and I to be different, to be peculiar. And I always say, not peculiar weird, but we should be rebels against a culture that says, this is how you live. So the way we think about economics is different. The way we think about people is different. The way we think about our own bodies is different. The way we think about entertainment is different because it's all informed by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that is countercultural, isn't it? And what's interesting is the gospel is countercultural in every single time group of people. You got to think that the gospel was so countercultural in Rome of the Apostle Paul's day. Completely countercultural in the Middle Ages. Completely countercultural in the Enlightenment. And it's completely countercultural in 21st century America. The way we're meant to be, the fact that we should love our enemies, and pray for people, and do good for people who are bad to us. Our culture says, look, if you hurt me, I'll hurt you. If you don't like me, I won't like you. But Jesus says, look, I want you to love your enemies. How many times have you read that and said, I can't believe Jesus just said that? I hope you think that. I hope you read that and be like, he said what? Because think about what Jesus did. Jesus died for his enemies. He said, look, I'm going to give up my life that you may have life, and the reason I'm dying is because of you, and I love you, and I'm going to give up my life for you. And when he's on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They're killing him. And he's like, Lord, please forgive them for doing that. And we can't even be nice to someone who has an opposing political view. We can't be nice to somebody who has a different idea of how the world should work. But Jesus then, says, look, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those people who use you. I want you to do good to those people who persecute you. Jesus is nasty that way, isn't he? We're meant to be so different. And everything in our culture and our lives tells us no. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go against the grain of what comes naturally. I know what's beautiful about that. He doesn't just say swim upstream and it's never going to work. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And all you have to do is simply respond to the promptings of my spirit and you will be different and you'll be shocked by the things that you think because it's so different than a culture that says if you hurt me I'll hurt you if you push me away I'll push you away harder if you say something mean to me I will escalate we're meant to be different because we are made alive by the spirit of God in Christ made alive now notice verse 3 you shall put out both male and female. So this is not like, well, only the guys get to stay and the girls got to go out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your gender. If you have one of these things, you are put out of the camp. What? That they may not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. Now, notice that. Why does God want them to do it? He's like, look, I dwell in your midst. And because I dwell in your midst, I don't want my camp to be defiled. When was the last time we thought about our lives that way? That God dwells in my midst, in me by the power of the Spirit. And because of that, now I'm not going to do that thing. Now I'm going to live different. Why? Because this is his house, not mine. And he is the one who owns this life, not me. See, our motivation, your motivation, and my motivation to be Jesus-like is because my life is Jesus' life. It's not mine. And so I realized in an audience this size, a congregation this size, a hundred of people of watching online right now, and people are going to be watching this later, picking it up on some technology. I realized that all of us, we struggle with this because we all have areas of our life where we're like, no, that's mine. It's like we give our lives to Jesus except for this area that's mine. And we, every one of us has it. It's not like one, of, the only one who doesn't have it is Jesus because he always did those things which pleased his father. But the key for you and I is to come afresh to God and say, God, I give you that one area. Lord, I give you that thing, whatever it is. And maybe for one of you like, oh, I, I just, I can't think of it, but I can know everyone else's. You got to give God your judgment. Our pride, those secret pet sins that we play with and nurture we just gotta say, Lord, I'm giving that to you because you dwell in me. Do you realize that? God dwells in you and through you to the world. We are vehicles for the presence of God in the world. And God does not want our lives defiled because this is His house. You are His house. I am His house. That's amazing. And notice, I, lo- I love when the children of Israel do it right. We're going to see a lot of times when they do it wrong. But notice what it says. And the children of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp as the Lord spoke to Moses, so the children of Israel did. Obedience is displayed. They hear it, and they say, okay, I'm going to do it. And they went, and they took care of it. Now again, we're going to find all sorts of times when they're not going to do it. But in this case, they are obedient. And don't forget yesterday's obedience does not ensure today's obedience you got that right just because we had a good day yesterday does not mean you're definitely gonna have a good day today you need to make a decision of the will every day to say I'm gonna follow Jesus today now listen yesterday's disobedience does not ensure today's disobedience either why because his mercies are new every morning and, and that really, what that means, it doesn't mean that you only get new mercy in the morning, and if you mess up by two o'clock, there's no mercy for you. It's not like, okay, if you screw up at two o'clock, sorry, the day is done. But listen, how many of us, when we're struggling against our the issues of our flesh, when you make a mistake at two o'clock, you go on a flesh bender for the rest of the day? Right? Isn't that what we do? It's like all of a sudden you mess up and then you just let everything fall off. You're like, well, tomorrow I'll get back on the horse. When it says his mercies is new every morning, it says that, look, no matter how many times we screw up and we do it every single day, we come back and Lord is like, I love you. I died for you. I died for you. God wants, just because you maybe made a mistake this morning doesn't mean you have to live a life of mistakes. Just because yesterday was messed up doesn't mean you have to have a messed up future. God's mercy is new every day, every moment for us. we just need to say, Lord, I'm just going to keep following. I'm going to keep following. Lord, I know you're carrying me anyway. Sometimes it feels like you're dragging me. You guys ever see that thing? You know know the the footprints in the sand story? You know, the guy has this dream and there's footprints in the sand and there's only one set of footprints, and the Lord's like, yeah, I carried you there, and then he looks at the next spot, and there's a big flat spot. He's like, what's up with the flat spot? He's like, I was dragging you then. <laughs> you never heard that one? It's a good one. I say that because I realize some of us feel like that Jesus ain't carrying us, he's dragging us, but really he is carrying us. We just feel like a drag. That's what it is. See, he, he has enough power for whatever you're going through. He has enough grace and mercy no matter what your struggle is. And you know what I've learned? I need God's mercy as much on my good days as I do on my bad days. Can you know what the problem with a good day is or a good stretch? You have a tendency to think you got it going on and you don't need Jesus. That self-reliance shows up, right? Think like you go on this good stretch and everything, you're like, oh man, my, I'm having a great relationship with the Lord, it's all going great. And then all of a sudden you start to stray away because you're not on your knees in the same way in your heart. So I think for some of you, things are going great and praise God, but stay close, Because oftentimes, when things are going great, we have a tendency to get a little self-reliant. So again, there's the cleanliness of the camp. Now in verse 5, look at what happens. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 6, speak to the children of Israel. When a man or woman commits any sin that men commit in unfaithfulness against the Lord, and that person is guilty then he shall confess the sin which he has committed. He shall make restitution for his trespass in full, plus one-fifth of it, and give it to the one who he has wronged. But if the man has no relative to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for the wrong must go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of the atonement with which atonement is made for him. Verse 9, every offering Of all the holy things of the children of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his, and every man's holy things shall be his. Whatever any man gives the priest shall be his. Now, not only is there areas of physical uncleanness, but now we get into relational uncleanness. Okay? And you realize that not only do you and I have these temples, these bodies that we're stewarding for the Lord, but we also interact with other people. And oftentimes, there are, let's just call it, it's just junk. Junk happens, right? All of a sudden, a relationship gets strained. And in this case, he says, when a man or a woman commits any sin that men commit in unfaithfulness against the Lord, and that person is guilty. So notice, even though this is impacting someone, who's the person who the sin was committed against? The Lord. You get this. When you are wrong to a person, you are wrong to who? The Lord first. So the issue with relational garbage is first vertical before it's horizontal. See, you will treat another person, another human being wrongly because you are not understanding who God is properly. In a lot of ways, our relationships, it's like a plus sign, but the vertical axis, God and you, us and God, that sets the pace and that makes all of our horizontal relationships proper. So if a person commits a sin against another person, notice, in unfaithfulness against the Lord. So it's a faithfulness problem. We're saying in some way, God, I do not trust you. And notice, if that person is guilty, then he shall confess the sin which he has committed. So first, there's the awareness of sin. That's step one. Two, there is confession of that sin. And then three, there is restitution for that sin. There's awareness, there's confession, and there's restitution. That's the way it goes. So listen, the Holy Spirit's job in your life and in my life is to convict us. Now, why does God's Holy Spirit convict us? Because God loves us. And like a father loves his child, he will discipline them. Now, I know that in our day and age, when you start talking about a father disciplining a child, for many people, you had abusive fathers or violent fathers or fathers who disciplined you in anger. And then all of a sudden, that whole picture breaks down. But the idea is, is my kids, right? Obadiah, Maranatha, and Annabelle. Because they're mine, if they're doing something wrong, I'll just look at them and be like, look, we don't don't do that. We don't act that way. Why? Because you're mine. And they'll say, well, so-and-so did. I'm like, listen, well, so-and-so, you're not so-and-so. Their parents have to deal with them. You're mine. Now, I'm not angry. I'm just saying in our house, this is how we roll. And that's what God does. He says, look, he sends his spirit to say, look, this is who we are. You are like me. And because you are like me and you are my child, this is how I want you to be. And every time we do something outside of it, the Holy Spirit comes and says, uh-uh, that's not who you are. That's not how we roll in this family. Maybe that's how your other family was, but this family's not that way. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. And I get excited when someone comes to me and they say, look, I love Jesus and I'm convicted because of X, Y, and Z. Like when a young guy comes and says, man, I, I looked at pornography and I'm totally convicted. I always say, man, praise God. And look like, at I'm like, listen, all sorts of guys are looking at pornography. and They're not convicted at all. And the fact that you have a prick in your spirit that says, this is not okay, that proves you're God's kid. Because God's sons say, I, I can't be doing that. That's not right. It dishonors the Lord. It dishonors me. It dishonors that person and my future wife or my present wife or whatever.
1: Jesus is-
0: Webster's Dictionary defines friction as the resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. We experience friction all around us, from the people at work to the people who won't leave the left lane when you're in traffic. Irritation and friction affect us every day. But probably the most significant area where we face friction these days is when our modern culture collides with our faith. They just don't play nice sometimes. I recently shared a series called Friction with our family of faith at Crossroads Community Church, and I would love to share it with you as well. This series has revolutionized our thinking about how we, the body of Christ, are to exist and engage the culture around us for the cause of Christ. It comes straight out of the book of Daniel. This month, we've created a special mini-series from the
1: Friction series
0: just for you, the Jesus is Real radio listener. Here's Josh with the info you need to get yourself a copy.
1: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio through the month of May with a gift of $25 or more will receive a special three-part mini-series that was taken from the Friction series that Pastor Daniel just mentioned. To receive your three CD set from the Friction series, simply visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you'll have the opportunity to give a one-time gift or support Jesus is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Please remember, every bit of support you provide helps us continue and expand what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, may God bless.